0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of the RPA podcast, The Player's Voice. I'm your host and chair of the RPA Players Board, Ethan Waller, and I'm extremely excited tonight because we get to delve into the broad subject of athlete identity, how an athlete finds our identity, the roles that clubs and environments play in this, the impact of social media, and much, much more. But before we really get stuck into all of that, let me introduce my guests. So joining me this week... Uh, Ollie Hassel-Collins of London Irish and England, Mike Roberts, London Irish sports psychologist and Richard Easter, RPA Player Development Manager. Welcome to you all. How are we all this evening? Everyone doing okay? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Thanks. Yeah. Delightful. Um Ollie, we'll, we'll we'll just move to yourself just before we, you know, really, really get stuck into the subject. Pretty whirlwind few months for you. Um, an, an England Six Nations debut where you made a brilliant account of yourself during the tournament and then thrown back into club duty with London Irish as, as you
1: guys hunt for the playoffs.
0: Just how crazy have these last few months been?
1: Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it's been tough. It's all gone quite quickly. Obviously, yeah, like you said, obviously the debut against Scotland, um, a big game, sell out, sell out Twickenham was an incredible experience. Something that that I'll never forget and can't still. Don't think I'll ever be able to put into words. Um, and obviously, yeah, unfortunately got injured um, in that game, played through it for Italy, and then had a bit of an issue. Went back to club, um, and then managed to get my hundredth cap. 100 caps, sorry. Um, again, sale, massive game. Like you say, hunting for the top four spot, a game that we were to win. Um, so we kind of we picked up some nice momentum going into the last couple of games.
0: Is is clearly there's been uh there's been quite the resurgence from from London Irish over over the last few months and over that period and and I think yeah, Mike, how big a part has the psychology played in that in, in this this run of form that that Irish are hitting? Because as I've experienced first-hand over the last few weeks. Uh, they've become a, a team
2: that's been extremely difficult to beat and playing some great rugby. Uh, well, you, you might get quite a biased answer here now that you've asked me specifically about the psychology at London Irish. But I I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think the the headspace that the lads have got themselves into over the last probably three months has had a lot to do with with the performances and the way in which we've responded to moments in games where we haven't been quite on it. Um, I think it's also helped us to sort of develop the ability to start really fast as well, which I think we're getting better and better at and just managing different and difficult moments in games. I mean, I certainly wouldn't say that's down, down to me. I I, I think over a period of time, the lads have begun to really appreciate the importance of what's going on in between their ears. And, you know, we've got a fantastic group of players there that drive the, the mindset side of things um, really, really well and the coaches as well really buy into. It. I'm sure we'll come on to this shortly, especially when it comes to sort of identity and developing a round of play at a rugby club. But you you need, you know, you need the DOI, you need the head coach and those guys to really buy into developing psychology, I think, at, um, at professional rugby and in professional rugby and, you know, Decky and Les um, really, really buy into the importance of that. And I think that's allowed... Us to us to really develop the psychology of the game, both obviously you know within training sessions, et etc., but also in in sort of the group work that we do um, in the week as well.
0: It, it's clear that at this level now, the, the the skill of rugby players is always there. The fitness is there, and there's not a huge amount separating teams. So that psychology, that that mental aspect, is is especially in the last few years, I found become really really prevalent and hugely important to those teams that are most successful. Um, I suppose I'll 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 move over to you for a for a second, Rich. Um obviously you're in, in and out of clubs and you have a different kind of relationship with the players. Do you find that you you see the effects of this? You find that the the mental side of things, you can see when players are, are doing well mentally from your
3: point of view? Yeah, because it often manifests from, from our perspective with how engaged they're going to be with the rest of their lives. Um yeah, you've got guys who have a couple of bad weeks and the mood's not great and they're suddenly taking their eye off the ball with the things that are happening outside of rugby that, that are ultimately for their futures but also have a really important impact on how they feel day-to-day in their environments. Um, it's part of the identity piece we'll talk about you know, more prominently in a minute, but if you've got other things going on, we know that has an impact on high performance. Um, and when you take your eye off that a little bit and you become kind of hyper-focused on something which's not going as well as you'd like it to, that's almost a bit of a spiral. You just continue to to not quite get where you want to be psychologically, and then we know what happens on the pitch as well. And that makes you know Mike's job a little bit harder, and the players' jobs week in week out a little bit harder. So we see it all the time. Yeah, in and, and
0: environments that are, that are so intense and require so much of. Uh, a person's mental and physical commitment. You can see why when there's these few percentage drops it in that mental side of things, how everything around can either begin to spiral or it can go the other way. And when everything's going right, it can really lead to improved performance. It can lead to improved morale, and and you you see it in the the most successful teams at the moment. But I think that 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 brings us on nicely to identity and and the athlete. Um, with with this episode being all about that, I think we need to start off. By asking the, the broader question is that is, what do you see as identity? What does it matter and, and what does it have to do with sport? I think Ollie, we'll start with you. What what does athlete identity mean from for you? It's difficult.
1: I think almost for me, my identity off the pitch, I want to reflect it on the pitch as well. So in terms of off the pitch, I want to be you know, expressive, quite flary, you know, maybe wear some outrageous clothes or, you know, do some outrageous things. And then on the pitch is exactly what I want to do as well. I want to score some outrageous tries. I want to, you know, do flary stuff. I want to earn heads in how I play and how I train. I think it's kind of, for me, it correlates the two off the pitch and on the pitch is kind of, I kind of said it like in earlier interviews is like feel good, play good kind of thing. That's I definitely definitely kind of live by that and I'm feeling good going into the game I'm confident I'm I know I'm gonna I'm gonna perform and do what I need to do
0: yeah because I remember before you made your debut I remember watching the uh the the inside line stuff that, that England put out and I saw the piece about your your painted nails can you just can you go through that with just for us just so that listeners can can hear that if they
1: haven't already yeah yeah uh so it's kind of it started kind of been this season and I used to I used to bite my nails so I was kind of painting them like just like a clear just stop painting, uh, stop biting them and then um, oh, I've actually got silver on today but I kind of um, thought I might as well kind of jazz it up a little bit and then kind of do uh, green and white for Irish obviously um, and then when I got picked for, the, for England it was obviously the red and white stuff so um, I don't know for me it's kind of Again, a bit, bit different, a bit, bit flary, a bit, kind of something else that maybe part of my identity as well is kind of coming to play this year and something that just like enjoy doing and enjoyed experimenting, trying different things, and it's, yeah, it's come down to my nails. I,
0: I find that really interesting because uh, I obviously met quite a few players during my during my career, and I found that there's players like yourselves, who, like yourself, sorry, who really want to, their identity off the pitch to be the same as it is off, on the pitch. Sorry, And and like you say, that, that flair, that something different is is definitely reflective for you. But then I found that other players are the opposite end of that spectrum, where who they are off the pitch is is nothing like who they want to be on the pitch. So you'll find some of the nicest guys off field that that won't say boot to a goose and then on the pitch, they're t- taking people's heads off. So it's an interesting thing. So I, I guess, Mike, from, from your point of view, what are you... What do you see that identity as? Do you see it as as the two different things or do you find that the most successful players are those who are one
2: in the same on and off field? Yeah, I it, it's a good it's a good question. My, my my sense is that generally it's it's a little bit more complex and I think, you know, we we will sometimes gravitate to this idea of we get these players who want to be, you know, a different person on the field, but then, you know, we talked about Ollie there about on the other end of the, the spectrum, which you sort of said even there about how he wants to bring his identity onto onto the field with him. I think generally players are somewhere in the middle a lot of the time. Um, and and I, I mean, I'm I'm all for that in many respects. And, and ultimately what is going to get the best out of the individual? Let's look, to, let's, look, let's look to build on that. Now for some people in certain stages of their career, that means that they will likely focus an awful lot on their athletic identity and perhaps put less energy into other parts of their their life, which which I, I think is part and parcel of being being a top athlete. At times, you know, I think that's that's definitely going to be be the case. But I'm sure Rich will probably elaborate on this um, better than I will. Is that you know what what we're trying to do is to to develop um, various identities as much as possible, and our job is to encourage the development of those whilst they're professional athletes. I think not not just from a personal development perspective I, that that's obviously massive to be able to have these different identities to tap into um as a human being but also from a sort of career money making perspective i think the idea of a dual career is is huge now and having portfolio careers you know even if you're a professional athlete i think that's that's the way things are going that's the way the game's going so it's looking to develop their identity, both from a sort of personal development perspective, and in terms of who they feel they are as people, but also financially as well, because you know, the career in the game is pretty short. Can you maximise your capacity to to to, to make as so much money and and do as well as you can while whilst playing? And I think that's really really important. Not this idea of oh well, I'll be a professional rugby player, I'll do a degree, but then I'll I'll do, do it later on. I'll I'll get a job later. I think we're really trying to shift that a little bit.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think. Thank you. Do you, in your opinion, have you seen a lot of players that the identity shifts as they get further on their career? Do you see, or do you see a lot of players who will have been one way at the start of their career and have, have stuck at that? Because I think, you know, other you probably will have seen it too, and, and, and Rich definitely will have seen it, that the development of players as they grow older, just as in terms of as human beings is massive. But there'll be some players who never really change that playing style from the word go, and there'll be others who become completely different in the way they play play the way they are you think a big part of that is from from those around the group do you think
2: that's environmental or do you think that's a, a personal shift uh, probably a bit of both again sorry to be gray with my answers but I, I i don't think it's it's not binary i think there's so many different factors happening at different times during people's careers. you know if i think about ollie obviously when you know we're starting at, at irish and in the first and we had sort of different doi different slightly, slightly different coaching setup and then there's a shift where there's a slightly different emphasis on how we're trying to play, but also maybe a different shift around uh, the importance of developing the self off off the field. So I think there's definitely environmental factors involved, and ultimately, if you've got really good role models at the club, you, we've got some fantastic guys there who are who are leaders in the club on the field, but also leaders off it, doing doing the stuff away from the game as well. And I think that encourages younger guys coming through the academy setup to. To, to follow in their footsteps. I think they get get energized by that. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, I know he's he's left now, but, uh, you know, Sean O'Brien would have been a decent example of that over the last few years where, you know, was doing an awful lot away away from the game, kept, you know, didn't necessarily sort of talk heaps about it, but there was always stuff going on and we've got some brilliant examples at the club now where people are doing that. So, yeah, um, so yeah, I think there's big environmental factors, but also individual. Actually, you know, an interesting point. We talk about confidence for the sake of argument. I think potentially the more the more confidence you develop and the more um understanding you have of yourself as a rugby player, I think you're you're probably more likely to look to develop yourself away from the game as well. I think sometimes when maybe lacking a bit of confidence or or a bit uncertain of yourself, you know, you might focus more more on it. Um so, so yeah, you know, I think there's lots of different factors involved and, and people will develop um, at different stages, depending again, what's, what what, what is the combination of those factors at any given time.
0: It's interesting that you say that because when I started my career, it, it was almost, it's very different now, but it was almost frowned upon to be going to university or developing yourself out of, out of it. The academy was seen as you've got to commit to rugby, you've got to become the best player you can be, so you can hit these premierships, you can hit the internationals, you can join, basically, get upskill yourself to the level that the premiership is. Whereas now that's that definitely seems to have taken a shift. And uh, I read something really... Poignant from um, the coaches at Irish that said you're not just building rugby players, you're building a great group of, of men, and that that resonating would be quite a lot because it's it's something that you love to see, and obviously, Rich, from your point of view as a development manager, that must be something that's that's brilliant to read, um, and obviously, that's that's playing out in the environment. Just for yourself, Rich, how how important is it when? clubs really buy into it not just the role models like we've spoken about the Sean O'Brien's etc but when the coaches when those the backroom staff really want to help you buy in and and become you know a a much more rounded human how much how much better is that and and how important is that for self-development
3: it's vital because they're the people that players are interacting with constantly and often like we said the role model piece they're the ones that they're listening to whether they realize it or not they're often getting the messaging through from those kind of uh, role models of should I do stuff? Should I not? Should I invest this time in these different areas? Should it just be rugby focused completely as young players or, or can I step back and explore other areas? So having a group of, you know, senior support staff and as and the senior as they get with deck that are wanting players actively, you know, pushing players to go and do more with their time. They've got the time, they've got the resources, they've got the backing, they've got us. To have that is, is vital. Um, and really, it's that important that everybody's on the same page with that. So we're seeing that more and more across clubs now, that teams that are a bit more proactive and a bit more forward-thinking are realising that actually there's all these great resources from the RPA, from their own backroom staff, um, and from the players' desire to, to go out there and do something a little bit different and do more. And then, we, like you said earlier, we get that rounded human being, and that rounded human being is always going to be a better rugby player than the one who is so hyper-focused that they go home, they, they turn the light off and they stare into the dark thinking about tomorrow's training. We want people to go and have lives outside of rugby. It's really, really vital and important.
0: Have you found that in this, the, the crop of academy players coming through now, that, that the emphasis, clearly the emphasis is to become better at rugby and, and that's that's the ultimate goal, but not necessarily all the academy players will make that step up. Have you found that, that clubs are a lot more receptive to those, those players Going out and and finding other other interests is the wrong word, but going out and, and sampling the real world, going uh, doing education courses, doing construction courses, the kind of things the RPA offers. Have you found that clubs are and academy players really are much more accepting of that and much more
3: keen in there? Yeah, for sure. I think you know the RFU putting in several years ago those um, caveats and, and and bullet point KPIs that academies need to be having players doing something else alongside rugby is a really great help to that well uh but certainly they're coming through when the, and the, I think the academy managers are more on board with that message so again it gets it gets you know, circled around and people get the same messaging again and again but players are more open to that um because they understand they understand the environment they understand the risks they understand the likelihoods of going to different levels We've also got you know environments like senior universities who are working through the bsr programs who are doing good things and offering different opportunities we have the championship clubs that, again, they're not likely to be full time for a lot of those guys. So they need to have something else going on. So when you look across the entire spectrum of what professional rugby is at the moment in this country, it's not just that it's important. It's it's a vital piece of their rugby development that they're doing something else and they're getting more receptive and understanding that, which then helps us to help them. You know, you've got to have that open mind for us to do our work with players and then help them to discover a little bit more about themselves, which... You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, 15 years down the line, 35 years old and retiring by choice, they've then got other things they can go to and enjoy and they haven't had this kind of moment of transition which we all sort of fear for players that they go, what the hell am I going to do next? And identity for me is the entryway into all those things. If you can get somebody thinking about who they are, their values, their interests, their passions, what excites them and not just describe themselves as, I am John I play rugby, then we, we get entryways into so many different subjects within their lives, and then hopefully getting them helping themselves a little bit. That that
0: brings me on to sort of this, the the next point that I was going to make, which is which is massive, and it's one thing that's hugely important in rugby and all sport to a degree, I, I suppose, is to how vital it is to to find out who you are without rugby or or without sport, because as you've alluded to, we know how fragile a career can be, and, and the day will come to hang up your boots and for some people that may come very early in the career through a shock injury. Some people, they may go on, you know, do a Steve and Myler till they're 40, 50 years old, whatever he is now. But but how do we continue to function when, when that day comes and we are no longer Ethan and Ollie, the rugby players, but we're Ethan and Ollie, the everyday human. Mike, from, from your point of view, what do we know from psych research that, that having an identity outside of rugby, what does it do for n- not just
2: performance, I guess, but, but, but for fulfillment and, and happiness? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. Again, I mean, how long have we got really? Um, I, I, th- I think first of all, interestingly, you know, having the, having a really strong athletic identity is massive. It's really, really important. And again, I think young guys at certain stage in their career, it's all they're going to focus on to a greater or a lesser extent. And I'm uh, not, not, it's not controversial obviously but part of me my impression is that actually at times that's really important it's really important for guys to almost solely focus on it a little bit I, 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 again maybe I'm being a bit biased I'm sure other people have different different sort of perspectives on that but I think it's really important to, for that you know to, to, build, to build a really salient sort of idea of self uh, within that sporting context which is really important um, develop self confidence obviously um, develop a, you know a good relationship with sort of health and fitness you know I think there's, there's things that's Will, will grow beyond um, the game, even if they're just focused on their athletic identity for a period of time. But I mean, as, as you said, I think there's the warning, you know, there's, there's things to be sort of careful with there because obviously having a really strong athletic identity and like you said, if someone gets injured, say it's a long-term injury or someone has to retire for the sake of argument, you know, that, that leaves someone in, in, in potentially really sort of risky situation where their, their sense of self and, and identity is heavily, heavily compromised, um, which, which isn't, again, a place where, where we want players to be. Um, and obviously having a really strong athletic identity, I think, can make that process, that transition out of the game more challenging. I'd be hesitant to say that it would. it's going you know, to always be a bad experience. For some people, that's a really challenging experience, but actually a really good one, even if they maybe don't have heaps, heaps going on. But ideally, you know, again, Rich and I, our, our positions are there to give them the best chance and help develop that, that identity as much as possible. But definitely from a performance Perspective, um you know, people's capacity to be able to sort of switch on, switch off. I i do think improves their ability to come to almost swipe in. They come to Iris a hyper focus when they're when they're at Hazelwood, but then sort of swipe out because they've got you know an interior design degree to be getting on with, or whatever it is that they're, they're they're doing away from away from the game. And we, you know, it doesn't have to be a degree either. We've got a guy who's just recently finished writing a book, and you know, it's it's brilliant. You know, and and that's not necessarily might make him money in time. I, I've got you know, huge confidence in his, his ability as a human being, but it doesn't have to be a degree. It doesn't have to be anything, which it doesn't have to be something which sort of, I guess you classically expect, so long as they are developing a sense of self away from, away from the game. I I just think that's really, really important. Um, I appreciate I've sort of waffled a bit around your question there, but hopefully there's some good stuff in there.
0: It's okay. I don't think any of this stuff is, as you say, I don't think any of it's binary. But I, I find it interesting, I, and I agree with you to an extent. Um, if, if you are to be successful in the game, there has to be a period where you are fully committed to it, and you're 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 fully going for it. But it's like you say, it's it's when you check out of the environment that you're in and you you're going home that you've you've got to have an outlet of some sort that that is there's is who you are and i've seen uh i've lived with some interesting characters over the years um i've seen some people that some people will cook some people will do um art uh, i had a friend who, who loved a lot of drawing um and then others it's it's music some people it's a degree it's it's and it's varied it's it's like you say i think a lot of it is figuring out what it is you don't like doing as much as as much as what you do like doing um, I think when a lot of players miss out on that sort of that like university period where you you'd be trying all these different things through various clubs or or what have you 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 might not necessarily get that in rugby as, as, you're, like, as you say you're, you're so hyper-focused but well
2: I mean interestingly I just want to add because so you make a really really good point there I think finding out what you don't want to do is is half the battle and I think sometimes players and, and professional athletes can sometimes so some won't be at all some will just go out and find out and find out and fail along the way uh, to success outside of the game, and that's absolutely fine. I think I think some some players, because of their, the standards they hold themselves to in sport, and potentially a little, a little bit perfectionist at times, might actually hesitate doing it because they're almost scared of getting it wrong and scared of doing something which they. Don't like, which is actually again part of part of the process. And again, Rich and I, you know, our job a little bit is to is to normalise that fear a little bit and make people it's it's all right. You know, you don't have to get this right straight away. You know, let's let's try something, and if it doesn't work well, you know what? You might just find something off off the back of that. Um, so yeah, but it's, again, it's everyone goes about it so differently. I mean, that's what's fascinating. It makes sort of uh, you know, my and Rich's job, especially Rich, who's having to chase the lads up to find out exactly what's going on, particularly difficult at times. So.
0: Ollie, I'll come to you. I, I, and you mentioned there about during the Six Nations, obviously getting that injury. Have you have you have had any large spells out injured? Where or perhaps when you you're out on loan, not necessarily around the Irish environment, where you were struggling to identify with with who you were. Not necessarily just as an athlete, but as a person in that period. And and if so how did you sort of find your way back to where you are now?
1: My first kind of major injury in the first team was I broke my fifth Met, uh, which is in your foot. Um, so I was out for, so I think, pretty much like pre-season, which is obviously, you know, that's where you kind of meet your mates. So you spend most of the time together because there's no, there's no games. You, you're doing all, all, everything together. There's no like splitting up and training, nothing of like that. So I think and I'm not, Potentially back then wasn't the most confident guy. In my first, second year, I was probably I was probably a bit hesitant. Um, wouldn't really put myself out there. Um, but for me, it's kind of it's been over the past like few years where I've kind of I've understood like where I stand in the team, who I am in the team, and it's kind of grown from there in terms of all the off-field stuff, and it's. For me, it's like the confidence on the pitch. I feel comfortable going up to like Paddy and be like, you need to do this for me or going up to Bernard or Roy Jennings be being like, look, you need to give me the ball. You need to fast or anything, wherever it could be. Um, and I think that's kind of, that's probably past few years, but definitely when I wasn't, when I was kind of I was in and out, I was with 20s, in and out, and then I was kind of making connections and I wouldn't see them for a few weeks and it was kind of hard to kind of make those strong connections, if you get me, and then I was, I'd was, i be on the bench, I'd be starting, I was kind of all over the place at points, um, but once I kind of solidified myself into the Irish team and I felt comfortable and thankfully I've had a pretty good run of non-injuries apart from this one, um, I've kind of, that's where I've grown my identity and understand who I am and... I've got to give credit to my girlfriend as well. She's given me, and obviously Mike, a um, bit of confidence to express myself and try different things. And I think, yeah, I think it's something that can happen overnight for me. Yeah, like I say, it was, it was a few, quite a few years that got me comfortable with, with who I am and what I want to do.
0: That's and that's it. Sort of circles back to the the point that you made, Mike, and and how massive confidence is in in finding your identity, whether that's confidence in the team or or not necessarily just that for you, Ollie, but the the confidence in the environment and in the friendships and the 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 connections that you make with with the rest of your teammates. But I think we'll just we'll, we'll move on slightly, and and I think it's important that we talk about the, uh, the 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 personal development managers and and the RPA and the role that the RPA plays in helping develop players off the pitch via the game line program. It's it's so important that players see more than just sport. As we've already spoken about, there's, there's plenty of benefits to it. And there's so many attributes from the elite sport world that when the time does come to retire, whenever that may be, really do transition and are very desirable and not necessarily found a lot in the, the everyday working world. So Rich, how can players practically look at this game line program and, and expand their identity?
3: It's about spending time to understand yourself. Uh, Mike sort of alluded to it with that kind of idea of, you know, focusing all in at one point and then, you know, expanding that later on. I think the way to, another way to think of it is that, you know, your life and time is a pendulum. And at some point you're going to have to swing that pendulum over towards rugby and sport. And you're going to, you know, maybe it's 90, 10, it's as extreme as that, you know, 9% of your time, you thought your energy is going to be over there, but there's 10% of your time. We can still work on stuff here. And then, you know, as you maybe get more comfortable or out of season, we can swing that pendulum back over the other way a little bit and invest our time over here. So it's that, you know, understanding who you are, you know, what's your value set? What are your interests? What are your passions? What things do you hate? We've sort of said that already. What things don't I want to do? That's vital. Take some stuff off and get it out of the way. And um, for an athlete to have a strong sense themselves, they've really got to spend some time investing in that thought process. Um, you know, I think we we're really lucky, and I spoke to Ollie many, many times at the club. Um, And understanding what he wants to do post rugby and alongside rugby and getting him to sort of go away and look at some of those options and think about them. I'm sure he'll speak about his his stuff away from rugby and his his wants and desires himself, but having, you know, the sort of license. And for me, giving the player the license to say, no, 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 you've got an hour free this this week. I'm sure you've got an hour. Go and do this and we'll help you to find those bits. If you don't know where they are, this is where you can find some options and speak to some experts um, so that Coming back to the whole focal point of this, this conversation, that rugby doesn't become so all-encompassing that the person becomes quite fragile. Um, because if we do have a sort of scenario where somebody can't continue, that's not a place we want them to find themselves. Um, I think a, an exercise that I like to do with people is these to, is to several different questions, but it all starts with something that anybody listening can go away and do themselves with, with a loved one or just by themselves, is that simple question of, who am I? And I cannot describe myself through rugby. I cannot, I cannot talk about myself and mention rugby, but I have to talk about me, write down who I am and then really, really challenging thing to do. Really difficult conversation to have, really difficult question to answer, um, even when you, you don't spend all your time doing rugby because it's so ingrained in who you are. And that sometimes highlights a little bit to people. Okay, maybe there were things I used to do that I really want to pick up again. Maybe there are passions I've got that I really want to want to try. What I've always wanted to do. What have I seen online? What have I got mates who do? What could I do that I don't do? Start asking those kind of really open-ended questions. And you might find there are two or three things you just start to see come up again and again. And then, you know, for players listening particularly, um, you know, speak to us and we can help you invest in that. For anybody else listening, this is not unique to rugby. This is often something you see with people who are hyper-invested in their careers as well, actually that their identity is so fixed to what they do that it's not who they are and they don't spend time to find out who they are. So it, it's really important. And yeah, some simple questions like that are never a bad place to start.
0: I think you summed that up incredibly well and how important it is just to not have, I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to put it in a much easier, well, a much shorter nutshell and a much more simple nutshell in that it's important to not have all your eggs in one basket, isn't it? And and that 90-10 or whatever percentage it might be is something that I think will, will resonate with me, and I will 100% be taken back to my academy. That's uh, when I go back into the club tomorrow. I'll credit you though, so it's okay.
3: And the other thing as well is don't don't use that old language of Plan B. You know, I think we can move away from that strongly very quickly and say actually I'm a rugby player and I do this. You know, very much encompassing, including more and more and more. And the more you do, we, there's no. Evidence to that suggest that's going to be detrimental to your rugby, detrimental to you know your sport and performance on the pitch. So there's no downside for me. It's a win-win. There's so many protective factors to mental health and wellbeing too. Um, so I, yeah, there's no downside to having to go at some stuff. And
0: Ali, I'm going to have to ask then, from your point of view, obviously you've been been part of the the, the RPA and the game line program for for some time now. How, how useful has it been for you, and, and what have you been doing outside of the rugby world?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been massive. They um, they obviously you know come in a few few times a week, and he's he's always there. He's always there available for a chat. Um, so they've been they've been huge for me in finding out, like say what what I'm interested in. I think on that, my kind of passions have probably changed, or like I've added passions or that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of over time, like I said, I kind of found myself and then. I can kind of go to, go to Rich and be like, look, this is what I'm interested in. This one I would look at. Um, and then he'll go away and, and find me some great courses. I kind of think about and see what, I, what I want to kind of enroll on and, Kind Of spend that, yeah, 10 that I'm not at the club, um, doing, and you know, I don't go home and think, Oh god, I've got to do this. It's kind of like, Yes, I get to go home and do this, and I'm excited to do it, I'm excited to complete this course. Um, and it's kind of like, I'll go back in the next day for Irish, and it's, it doesn't feel like a job, it's kind of back to back to the old days where it's it's a hobby and you're doing it because you love it. And not saying I don't love it, obviously, still love it, but it's it's kind of like back around the under 10s where you're just with your mates running around and just enjoying the game. Um, so yeah, he, they, they've been massive for me definitely
0: and it's it's Hugely important, isn't it? The the to have something on the outside that means that the game becomes enjoyment again, not necessarily just a job. As you've said there, because we all grew up loving the game and, and enjoying it daily, and, and when it does become your you know, your job, it is very easy for it to fall into that cycle and not necessarily always be feeling positive about it. So that is that is huge, Jens. Um, that brings us to to the end of this this conversation. Um, I, I really appreciate all of you giving up the time tonight, and I think we've we've cover some really important topics um so a huge huge thank you to to all three of you for for giving that up and and helping us start the conversation about this topic that hopefully any players listening or 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 anyone really listening that's that's fully invested in in their work or anything of that nature can can hopefully go out and help find their their identity and who they are and what they like doing so again a massive massive thank you to all three of you for for giving up that time that is it for this month's edition of The Player's Voice but we just wanted to remind you of the upcoming Etalast RPA Awards that are being held on the 17th of May there are still spaces available for one of the biggest rugby nights of the year email events at the rpa.co.uk to book your place now for the hybrid rugby and music fans amongst you you will be delighted to know that James Haskell will be DJing the after party so it is not one that you want to miss please please book your tickets now it's guaranteed to be an amazing night. We do want to hear off you, so if you have anything that you want to suggest to talk about or if you have any questions, tweet us using the hashtag ThePlayersVoice. Thank you again and see you all next time.